What's the latest on the insider threat? Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group, and we're talking about the insider threat today with Don Capelli, Technical Manager for the Threat and Incident Management Team with the CERT Technical Staff at Carnegie Mellon University's Software Engineering Institute. Don, it's a pleasure to talk with you again. Thank you. Now, Don, you've got a new role here, so maybe you can tell us a little bit about that and what you're doing with CERT now. Well, um, I have actually, I have another team on under me now in addition to the insider threat team, but I started the insider threat team in 2001, and so it is still going strong. It, we've actually expanded our work recently. In the past, we've been collecting cases, and we continue to collect actual cases of insider threats. But over the past nine years, we've been looking at the problem. What is the problem? Who does it? Why do they do it? How do they do it? And over the past year, we've decided to start looking at solutions. And so instead of just looking at how they do it and why, now we're starting to really work with organizations and vendors on, okay, what are effective mitigation strategies? Um, we've set up an insider threat lab where we're actually hands-on starting to test some, some solutions. And so we're very excited about the direction that our work is going. Well, Don, I want to ask you about the insider threat. It was a huge topic of conversation in 2009. What trends did you see emerge in the past year? Well, we've seen a lot of fraud cases. Um, I actually asked one of our database guys to pull the latest stats of the number of cases that we saw in 2009. Um, before I give you those stats, though, I just want to point out that a lot of times these cases don't really become, they don't see the light of day for a while. So I'm sure that there are more cases that are going to start hitting the press that happened in 2009 and they're just coming to light now. But of the cases that we collected last year, we have 20 fraud cases. Um, the fraud cases continued to grow, and you know I have to think that that's probably because of the data breach laws, because now organizations have to report data breaches. And so we, we keep seeing this upswing in fraud cases. So we had 20 of those. We had 14 cases of IT sabotage. And I still try to point out to organizations that everyone is susceptible to IT sabotage. So this is a crime that no matter what sector you are in, you need to pay attention to. And we had eight cases of theft of intellectual property. And we had 13 cases that we can't really even categorize yet. We just don't have enough information on exactly what they did or how they did it, why they did it. Um, as far as what sectors we saw hit, um, the government sector had the most cases. Second was public health, which was pretty interesting because in the past that has not even gotten a very big slice of our pie when we do the breakdown, the pie chart by sector. Um, so public health had um, a fair number. And then third was banking and finance. 
Don, as we're you know a quarter of the way into 2010 now, what do you see as the biggest concerns for organizations, particularly in these sectors that you've just identified? Well, I think the biggest concern, and this is what we're hearing from people and why we decided to set up this lab, is that there are tons of tools out there. Um, you go to any major conference and the exhibit floor is full of displays and vendors. And there's a lot of good technology out there. There's a lot of good technology and there are a lot of good people. The problem is how do you use them together? And we saw this in our e-crime survey that we do every year. Um, our survey this year showed that data leakage tools were way down at the bottom of the list when asked what are the most effective tools that you're using at detecting or preventing insider threats. And there are a lot of really good data leakage tools out there, but the problem is that you can result in information overload. There's so much information to look at. Where do you look? You can't look at everything. But we really believe that organizations can use those kinds of tools and other technologies effectively. It's just a matter of figuring out what kind of practices and procedures you need to put around the use of those tools. Um, the good thing about Insider Threat is you have people working in your organization. You see them every day. Um, there are indicators that you can look for, unlike external attacks, where you have to re really rely on the technology alone. Another big concern is just the global nature of the economy and the global nature of organizations. Um, we hear repeatedly that, for instance, in IT sabotage, the indicators that we need to rely on are in large part behavioral indicators. You know, you, you can look for your disgruntled system administrator who is obviously very disgruntled and getting worse. Well, in other cultures, is that really, is that same pattern going to hold up? Because that's how we are in the U.S., but that's not necessarily how people behave in other cultures. So cultural issues are also a big concern for organizations. Now, Don, it seems like we've raised awareness about the insider threat, and as you say, there are incidents that aren't being reported, maybe that aren't being detected. What do you see as being the biggest challenges for organizations that want to prevent insider crimes? Well, I think the biggest challenge, like I said, you can buy tools, you can hire people, but in order to really detect insider threats, I think organizations need to get pieces of their organization working together. So, for instance, that, that disgruntled system administrator example, we know from our research that if you have a disgruntled system administrator who's about to be fired or quit because they're so angry, they are going to create some unknown access path so they can get back into the organization. Well, what's that going to be? They may plant malicious code. Well, that's what they do every day. They, they edit scripts, they write scripts, they release programs. So relying on technology to say, this system administrator just released a new program, well, that's what they do every day. 
or they may create a backdoor account. Well, what do system administrators do every day? They create accounts. So relying on just the technology, you're not going to catch it. But these people are on the HR radar. So HR management knows they're a problem. HR knows that they're a problem. Someone needs to tell the information security staff so that they can look in your logs and see what has this person been up to because they are on the HR radar, they have the privilege and the ability to be able to carry out an IT sabotage attack. Likewise, we know that theft of IP is typically committed by scientists, engineers, programmers, someone who steals what they created and they steal it on their way out of the organization. So typically, within 30 days of resignation, they take some IP with them. Now, they may have been stealing it over the course of a few months, but they're going to take something on their way out. And so if HR can communicate to the information security staff, this person just turned in their resignation, look back in the logs and see what they've been doing. You also need a proactive strategy. You need to have proactive technology in place so that you can go back and see what have they been doing with their laptop at home, for instance. So I think the biggest challenge is to get the organization to work together. And it's really hard, and I'm not going to try to say that it's easy, but we also know that there are some organizations out there that have done it and successfully done it. So it can be done, but it, it requires really planning ahead and addressing legal issues, policy issues, employee privacy issues, getting your legal department involved. So I think that's the biggest challenge. Don, one last question for you. If you could boil it down for organizations and even individuals, what are some simple steps that they can take now to at least reduce their risk? Well, I think the first thing I would do is go to our website. Um, not that I'm trying to promote our materials, but we have a lot of freely available information out there, such as our Common Sense Guide for Prevention and Detection for Insider Threats. That's a guide that, based on all of these cases in our database, we now have over 450 cases, we have looked at what best practices would have prevented these things from happening or enabled organizations to detect them quicker. Um, I think it really pays to pay attention to what has happened in the past because we see distinct patterns in what, what these insiders do. Um, we also offer an insider threat assessment by CERT based on all of these cases. We have workshops that they can attend. Um, I think they really need to think ahead and put together an incident response plan. If an insider does successfully attack, who, what are we going to do? Who's going to respond? And a lot of organizations that we've been talking to don't really even know whose job it is to detect insider attacks. So it's, it's really a good idea to just start from from the ground up and put together an incident response and incident handling plan for insider threat. Well, Don, it's a pleasure to hear from you, and I appreciate your time and your insight today. Thank you so much. Okay, you're welcome. 
We've been talking about the insider threat. We've been talking with Don Capelli with Carnegie Mellon University's Software Engineering Institute. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.